going on, guys? Welcome back to the Wild Wild Quest. Thanks for being here. Um, appreciate you listening. Some roasts from last week. I want to get into these before we get started and I forget. So <clears throat> a lot of people had messaged me and they said something about me getting fired and tried to use that as a roast. Well, I Eminem'd it and I already explained that I got fired, so that doesn't hurt me. So you guys need to be more original there and uh, learn from that mistake, please. Come on. You pick the biggest elephant in the room and that's what you use. Easy targets. Be better. <laughs> Jeez, Jackie. <laughs> Asks to get roast and then roasts everyone who roasted her. <laughs> um, the best roast, um, in my opinion, though, well, actually, the second best roast was from Laura. She was like, Geez, Jackie, can you care about the world's problems a little less? And then uh, her boyfriend, Gage, he was like, you sure do ask for a lot for somebody who can't even afford to have a guest on your show. <laughs> Which that one was pretty good. That one got me. But my favorite one was not even an intentional roast. Uh... <laughs> so I said Devin would probably roast me the hardest. Well, joke's on me. He did not even listen to the podcast, so... <laughs> I feel like, woo, burn, and definitely that's got to be, uh, that's the best roast, but no effort, no roast king, so you don't win. Um, Gage and Laura take it, because they were the most original, so thanks guys for playing, and feel free to keep doing that, roasting me, I'm fine with it. I can't promise I won't roast you guys back though, honestly. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for the support, everyone but Devin, and uh, I do just want to say, uh, again, just thank you guys so much for the support because it gave me uh, some confidence that I don't know that I would have had to get into the stuff I want to kind of get into today. So with that being said, I'm just going to get into it. Uh, first point real quick, I just want to briefly explain what the don't say gay bill thing is, okay? Because I've had a lot of people ask me about it, uh, uh, some confusion on exactly what it is, and I'm just, I'm not going to tell you all the exact logistics. You guys can do some independent research on that yourself if you'd like to. I will give you the synopsis version, though, in my own words. So the actual piece of legislation itself is called parental rights and education. Um, don't say gay is just a phrase that was come up in combat against that and to help raise awareness about this bill being passed because I don't think a lot of people like really understood what was happening initially um, especially if you're not from, you know, the east side of the nation. I know I had a, quite a few people out west asking me about it. Um, <clears throat> so what is it exactly? It's basically a bill stating that there can be no discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in the classroom or at schools because not every parent wants their child exposed to that at young ages and uh so like teachers if they hear about it they're supposed to report it you know any staff member and if a kid expresses that they are questioning their identity or their gender or anything to a teacher then they are also required to report that <clears throat> and this is really messed up because that <sighs> whatever kid, if they are coming to a teacher to express something like that, they're coming to that teacher because they feel safe enough with that teacher to express that to them. And if they're coming to a teacher to express that, there's a very good chance that that teacher is possibly the only person in their life that they do feel safe enough to tell them. 
that part of themselves. So if you tell a teacher that, hey, if you have any kids doing this, and then you have to report it as the teacher, you're like legally obligated at this point to out a young child before they are ready. And that's that's not cool. That could potentially be traumatizing. And what if the family is not okay with that kid after that happens? And what if that kid gets removed or like booted from their home? And what if that kid needs mental recovery after something like that and has no health insurance, no parents who care about them, no way to get to a doctor or a mental physician? What if they don't have transportation and no food? I mean, these are all things that need to be thought about when kids, young kids are coming out because that stuff happens. Parents kick kids out over that thing and and it spirals them into these mental issues that they carry with them through their entire life. And it can cause a lot of problems for them and it can cause a lot of self-harm along the way. And it's not just with, you know, prematurely outing people. It's it's just without having the discussion at all, it can cause these problems. And and I, I want to express how, how that can go for people, uh, especially young young kids coming up when they don't have a safe space to express themselves that way. Uh, so I'm going to tell you guys a story about me when I was growing up and how not being able to express that part of myself affected me. And then you guys can form your own opinion on what you think about it afterwards. So when I was really little, uh, and I'm talking third grade, second, third grade, um, back when like NSYNC was popular, Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, I was born in 91. I grew up in the 90s. And I know what you're thinking. I'm, I'm a prime piece of specimen. <laughs> 90s babies are superior. We all know this. So let's see. I used to sit in my room and just put a CD on my little boombox and let it play for hours and build Legos or draw. And that was what I did when I was little. That was my favorite form of self-expression and always has been. And I can just sit alone in my room with music playing, you know, with one little thing keeping me busy I mean, I can do it for weeks. <laughs> if nobody, if I have nothing to do and everyone leaves me alone, I will. Ask my mom. I've always been that way. So I would do that, right? And then in fifth grade, and now I've always been a tomboy ever since I was little. I've always liked comfort over, you know, style when it comes to clothes and and function. I, I like comfort. Comfort's the biggest thing for me. So basketball shorts, t-shirts, athletic wear, like that was my my steez as a little kid, like all I wanted, you know, no tights, don't put me in a sundress and stop brushing my hair so much, mom. I didn't like that. So anytime my mom wasn't dressing me, I would pick my clothes and it would be that. So fast forward to fifth grade, um, outside at recess, playing football with the boys, wearing my normal, like Tom, Tom boy clothes, you know, and I get home from school and my mom, she sits me down and she asks me this question. She's like, Hey, do you, do you wish you were a boy? And I was like, what? No. I was like, what? I was like, why are you asking me this, lady? 
this is so weird. Like, why does my mom think that I want to be a boy? Right? So I was confused. A question really confused me because I was like, I was in fifth grade and I, puberty kind of had just started. And I, I had just kind of become aware to the fact that I was different in some way. But I didn't, I didn't know exactly what was up yet. You know, I knew, I was like, I got something going on inside me that's, I just know isn't the same as what everyone else is dealing with and like I'm not the same as the girls in my class and it's just it felt funny and then the other week my sister came over and she asked me a question about how to appropriately approach a child to let them know like hey if you're gay that's okay with me and you're safe to let me know that you know as a straight parent or just a parent I guess and I thought about it and I thought initially like oh cute that you're asking me that but then I was like wait a minute I don't have an answer and she thought that was peculiar and so did I and then I started thinking about that why don't I have an answer for that you would think me I I would I should have an answer for that right well I mean I don't have any kids but I was one and then I realized hmm I know why I never had anybody appropriately approach me on this subject to let me know that I was safe and the only time it was brought up to me was negatively or inappropriately and not to say anything derogatory towards any adults in my life no shade on my family they did the best they could with the information that they had which wasn't always correct and it wasn't always good so they did try but they just didn't know how to go about it I think and I mean, back then, nobody was having conversations about anything, whether it was mental health, mindfulness, like, I don't know. We sure knew what the word respect was, but I don't think we really understood the meaning of it. It was just respect your elders and respect these people because they are this person and respect this because of that. And then the older we get, we realize, like, no, that's not how respect just works. So you know what I mean? That's just a little example of how times change and people wake up to things and realize, oh, we were wrong. So again, no shade. I'm just telling my story. So moving on from there, um, this question that my mom asked, it it, it confused me because I started to think about it after. And I started to become aware of the differences in myself compared to the other girls in my class. And because of that new awareness, because somebody brought it to my attention that it was being noticed, I started to see myself differently. And I started to wonder, is this because of the clothes I'm wearing? Because the other girls don't wear this stuff? And is it because I'm hanging out with boys at recess and not like drawing with chalk and stuff and doing jump rope? And... Am I, like, am I, should I want to be a boy? I don't know. It was just a very confusing thought for me as a fifth grade student. I just didn't understand that fully. And uh, it just, if anything, it made me more aware to the fact that people are starting to notice that I'm different. And it wasn't a problem until then. And in sixth grade, my dad, he was transferred to Mexico to do some stuff for work and Ever since sixth grade, he's been, uh, his presence in my life has been sp- a little sporadic and, uh, 
<clears throat> limited. And so that kind of sent me into a funky feeling as well in sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, I really started to come to terms with it because I, you know, I'd been through sex education and I got all the lowdown or at least what I, you know, as well as I could have back then. And I started to realize and come to terms with, okay, you're definitely gay and uh you yeah you're definitely different and you know a few other life changes were happening and it's like third grade I heard the word gaywad for the first time somebody used it as an insult and I mean that wasn't that crazy I, I heard that all the time growing up you're so gay you're so like you know just as like a, a negative thing and it was only talked about on TV and at school and like anybody I heard talking about it, it was always a negative thing. And I mean, growing up in the nineties, <laughs> the gay rights movement didn't take off till 2015. And even still there's so much resistance. I mean, look, look at the whole reason we're having this conversation right now and what Florida's doing. It's like all I knew about the gay community was negativity. And all I knew was that I was not about to ever let anybody know that side of me because I'm not about to be one of those people who gets ridiculed and hated for for that like I won't do it like I'll just I'll push it down and so in seventh grade that's what I did now remember back to how I told you my favorite form of self-expression art and music right and how that's what I would do when I was little well I started to pick up a new form of self-expression um well it wasn't a new form it was it's the same form I'd been using but I I realized I could use it to my advantage as a form of self-expression and it was my clothing and so in seventh grade no I'm sorry sixth grade that's when everything really started to pick up the most uh I started to you know dress a little um darker and kind of like depressive I guess looking and I was I mean I I was I started going through depression in sixth grade uh I didn't want to have to be gay and it didn't feel fair and it felt like a sentence It felt like, why Why am I even here then? Like, if I'm just here for all these people to not like me, why did I get put here? And uh, <clears throat> religion is something that was always kind of forced on me growing up. Uh, I was forced to go to church every Sunday, Catholic church, very big cathedral type style, uh, type style. Lots of people, no sense of intimacy or emotional connection with any other human there. We were all just a big congregation in the community. Not one of us really knew anybody else's name. It just felt unauthentic. And it felt like... Um, a lie, like just going through the motion. And I think that's what it was. I mean, my mom, not for my mom, you know, she, she had value in it and she wanted to instill that in us as kids and, and my stepdad too. Um, but for me, 
at this point, I didn't get that feeling from it because I had been to my grandma's church with her and my grandpa before, not on Papa. And their church is a closer bond of community. And so when I would go there as a little kid, I would get to go off into the kid area and do Bible study stuff and like make friends. And they all knew my name. And every time I would go, even if it was, you know, once a month or whatever, I felt welcomed and I felt good at that church. And so I did not like going to church every Sunday with my family. But I didn't like going to church with my grandparents either because every time I'd go see them when I was little, they would also talk about religion all the time. And I understand that, and that's fine. It's a big part of their life. But it's like it was getting old as a little kid. It's like I want to talk about other stuff. Like I'm growing and developing and learning. Like I can't just talk about Jesus and God all the time with you guys. So then I stopped wanting to go like talk about that and do anything like that with them. And um, I just I, – I didn't have an interest in it at all when I was little. Like I was – I feel like I was open to it, but then I quickly realized this is, I don't think this is my thing. And this little tidbit is relevant to the story because I was brought up, you know, with a sense of your faith is important. And um, because of what the Bible says and what Christians say about homosexuality, I struggled with that. I was I was really mad at, at God for a long time because I wondered why would you do this to me then and I wondered why why anybody would be that and why he would make anybody that if everybody said it was so bad and how can this be okay how can i be this naturally but it's not good and then all the adults in my life kept telling me you're made in god's image you're made in god's image and i'm like what do you mean then what do you mean (laughs) it was a very confusing time growing up and I did not understand anything about myself and my form of expression took on a new role um, and it was the way I dressed. In sixth grade I started dressing with a more depressive vibe. My family calls it my goth phase and they sometimes still make jokes about it. Show, uh, I don't know, they have shown pictures to every single significant other I've ever brought around and made jokes about it like it's some funny thing, but it's it's it wasn't. I mean, it it's kind of funny to laugh about, I guess, now, but it wasn't really at all because that period is when I switched my form of self-expression to sharing the music that was inspiring me and moving me with people and sharing my art with people and my family and my life who were close to me to putting on headphones and not telling anybody anything and listening to that all day and wearing all black and drawing sad stuff and scary stuff and not wanting to show anybody. And it was like I was still using self-expression, but I was still holding it all in. And I didn't really understand that phase of my life until this weekend 
when I started to really critically think about all of this after my sister asked me that question. And I realized that because of how the information about gay people was presented to me, and this is why I say I'm gay instead of I'm a lesbian, also side note, back then the term lesbian wasn't widely used. You heard, and excuse me, but I'm not going to say I'm, you know what you heard. (laughs) Um, You heard other derogatory terms for us. And uh, it wasn't until... I was like 20, maybe, that the term lesbian started to become more widely used. And even then, it still felt, I don't know, dirty for me to even say or just gross for some reason. So I, I've i always called myself gay, and I prefer that still. I don't know why. I don't know. But uh, anyway, just a side note. So now we're in sixth grade, and I've gone from being an open vocal kid about my expressive side and uh I I closed up and I started you know listening to different music wearing different clothes drawing different things and not sharing that with anyone kept it all in and then started going through depression in sixth grade for the first time uh I wrote I guess what was my first ever uh little remix in sixth grade uh there's a song by Blink-182. I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with it. It's called Adam's Song. It's pretty iconic. Um, touches on, well, it doesn't touch on. It's basically the story of a, a suicide. And obviously that song resonated for me at that time. And that whole self-titled Blink-182 album was the only thing in my CD player that entire year. It got... Well, it got me through that year. I mean, it was influential in helping me cope. Um, Adam's song, I don't think, it's not on that album, but I think that was off the uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket album. But anyway, um, still, it's an iconic song, and I discovered it that year because I discovered Blink-182 that year. And I, I... I wrote it, but I kind of wrote it, rewrote it with my own spin to fit me. And um, I gave it to one of my friends in sixth grade. And when I gave it to her, I guess I wasn't really considering the severity of what I'd written and how it could be taken because, I mean, what sixth grader would. In my head, I was just thinking, like, here's a note. Tell me what you think about it. Because I I was looking for some validation on, like, is this cool or no? And uh, then she, you know, the next class, she showed up in the hallway outside the door, knocking on the door and crying. And then she asked for me from the teacher. And the teacher, like, sent me out into the hallway to go talk to her. And I was like, what is up? And she was like, is this this true? Is this real? Is this how you feel? And I was like, I mean, yeah. (laughs) And she started crying and the next thing I know I'm in the counselor's office and three of my friends are in there with me and my mom gets called and we have a whole little powwow in there and they're all crying and I'm just thinking this is freaking stupid (laughs) but it wasn't stupid because I I it was the first time I vocalized a suicidal thought 
And uh, I didn't realize how intense something like that really was because I was the one thinking it and I wasn't the one worried about one of my friends or family members thinking it. So I didn't think it was a big deal. It felt normal to me. <laughs> and uh, I str- I bat- I've been battling that. Um, I mean, it comes and goes. It's like one of those lingering things that it's not always there. And, you know, the older I get, it's, it's there less and less often. And the more I grow and heal from things like this, it becomes just less and less, you know, as the years go on, which is great. That's a good, good thing. Um, but I, I do often wonder that, uh, had I had that safe space and if maybe somebody in my life approached me and let me know, like, hey, I know what everybody says about you guys, but if, if that's what you are, that's okay. And don't listen to everyone. They're not all right. Then I wonder if I would have been more comfortable to express my real true self. And I wonder if that could have avoided some of this. Because um, when you start to develop these feelings about yourself at such a young, crucial developmental age, when you're so impressionable and you start to hate yourself because you think that that's how other people feel about you or how they will anyway, if you ever tell them the truth, you can develop all sorts of goofy little things and you can't explain where they're from you know, early on because you're going through so much as a kid. And it took me uh, 30 years and 11 months to figure this one out. I'm glad I did. But it's like, man, it just seems like it was avoidable. So my goal in telling this story about what I struggled with growing up, because I mean, depression and suicide, that's not stuff that just goes away. <laughs> it's its always there. And maybe I would have struggled with that regardless, probably, um, with the, my family history. Uh, my grandma had, you know, bipolar disorder and some other people in my family have struggled with it as well. And so who's to say really what the root cause is, but do I believe the root start was me realizing like, hey, people are noticing you're different and you're gay and blah, blah, blah. Probably, I think so, yeah. And I mean, that's just my example and my experience. And granted, like I said, I did grow up in the 90s and it wasn't talked about hardly at all. And it's it's much different now. It's It's way more accepted. Um, you know, straight allies wear gay pride shirts for us. And thank you guys for doing that. It's important for kids. And uh, when you, <clears throat> when you disallow that conversation, you're disallowing that kind of person. And you're disallowing the acceptance and tolerance of that person. 
and that person is no longer going to feel safe. Okay, and in this instance, these these persons that we're speaking of, they're young children. And one of the points in this bill, it says that uh, it, it, there was something said about age appropriation. They want it to be age appropriate, the, the discussions on sex and gender. And that's my favorite part because it's just hilarious to me that any other person who isn't dealing with this struggle themselves, they have no idea. They have no idea at what age this stuff starts for people. And I mean, I started to figure, I started to have an idea that something was up in fourth grade and it was fifth grade that I started to really realize it even more. And then sixth and seventh grade, I was like, okay, this is not something I can turn off. I tried, I tried, I tried. And even in sixth grade, I I texted a friend on my virgin mobile phone (laughs) and I was like, hey, I, I have to tell you something. I think I might be gay. And she texted me back and she said, I'm just going to pretend that that was a joke. So it wasn't just a matter of nobody bringing this to me, okay? I, I tried to go to other people too and I, I got shot down by one of my best friends. And uh, I didn't talk about it again at all until I was 19. And the only reason I did is because I met my first girlfriend and she helped me become more comfortable with that side of myself and really broke me out of my shell. So, and it wasn't until I was 21 that I told my family out of my own mouth. And that was the last set of people I told personally, hey, I'm coming out to you as gay, Um, really because I just let everyone else kind of figure it out on their own at that point. I was like, I'm not, I didn't want to address it or say it still at 21 to 22. And even when I was 24, I still struggling to like hold at the time my girlfriend's hand in public or, you know, it's just, it didn't feel, it still didn't feel accepted. So all of this acceptance and tolerance, it's so new still really. And it's still new for me uh, on an adjustment level because, I mean, as an example, you guys who do wear the the gay pride shirts, and the reason I appreciate that so much, you doing that on on our behalf is because uh, there's some of us who uh, we're still not there with being able to do that. Wearing stuff like that and feeling comfortable in it, you know? Um... I mean, I'm I'm gonna be 31 next month, so, and I mean, we've we've had this ongoing <clears throat> push to change in this way for a while, and you would think that by now I'd be okay to wear a shirt that says like, "Hey, I'm gay" or something on it, but still, I I can't. Like, I I even bought one, and it says like, "Kiss whoever you want." It's got like some gay rainbow like checkered stuff down the sleeves, and it's a cool shirt, but I've only worn it once, and I literally bought it like six months ago. And I only wore it to uh, Christmas because that's the only place I felt comfortable to wear it so far. And I I almost put it on the other day, but then I was like, no, it's a little much for just out and about. And it's like, why? I still feel like that sometimes. And it's it all spawns from how it was presented to me when I was little. And 
I'm, I'm working on healing from that now. I am. It's, it's been a long road, but we're getting there. I just, mainly the goal of this was to hopefully bring some value to you guys. And if you are raising kids, bring a little mindful awareness about these issues and why they're important to discuss and why we can't just not talk about them. Because if we don't talk about them, then it puts our youth in a really bad position and it, it deteriorates their self-worth and their confidence. And it, it, in their minds, it brings their overall value as a, as a human being down. And we can't just keep doing that to kids. Do you want to raise a bunch of kids who think that they're going to be hated if they express who they really are? Or do you want a bunch of kids who are raised authentically and know how to love and know how to be kind to people? Because I, I didn't know how to do a lot of that stuff until I got older. And it's like I was taught and I was raised right, but I didn't know how to do that for myself because of the projections that the world put on me. So how would I ever be able to properly learn how to do that for another person? And then if you let that continue to become to be a problem, that's going to carry over into individual relationships that people have with each other. And then that brings up toxicity and, you know, bad habits and things. And it's just all a big, it's all connected. And we need to make sure that we're we're having the appropriate conversations and not avoiding them because we don't understand them and we're scared. And age appropriation, guys, kids will tell you what's up with them, okay? I mean, not all the time. They're not going to tell you, but that's not what I meant. Kids know, okay? They are young human beings. They are, they are growing and developing. They're not stupid, okay? They are smart and they are intuitive and they are just like you. You just have a lot more years on them. So you need to treat them like young humans, not little tiny babies who don't know anything and need to be protected. I mean, yes, they need to be protected, but they don't need to be sheltered from everything. Because if you shelter them and you don't feed them that proper information, eventually they're going to get inaccurate information that could potentially perpetuate a worst case scenario that you ultimately wanted to avoid. So guys, just please be smart with how you speak about others, how you speak about them in front of your children, what you say about different minorities and communities of people, because your words carry so much impact. And you have no idea who you're affecting and how when you spew venomous things about people. A perfect example, Leah Thomas. She's 22 years old. She just came out when she was, I think she said 17 or 19, went through the transition and all that. So this is, she's still in a a phase of acceptance and growing into herself. And if you don't agree with her being a woman, whatever, that's your opinion and fine, have it. Okay. I don't care if that's what you think, but just don't go on the internet and start calling her names and being derogatory because you have no idea who in your family 
might be going through some similar things and looking to that girl like she's a freaking hero. (laughs) So if you're saying these negative things about one transgender person, what message are you sending to all of the other transgender people who may or may not be in your life? She's just the face of an already going on, uh, ongoing issue, okay? She's just the current face. And again, like I said with the joke about me getting fired, she is literally the biggest elephant in the room right now. I mean, you've got that Admiral Rachel, whatever her name is, uh, transgender male to female who won Woman of the Year, an even bigger achievement, an e- even bigger uh, grab or opportunity stolen from another woman who has accomplished even more than some Penn State swimmer. swimmer. Okay. And you guys want to be mad about that because of size and stature and everything. And I get that, but it's like, it's not hand to hand combat. They're swimming in a pool and you're mad about it. Okay. Nobody was physically at risk and nobody raised any complaints until after there was a loss. And it's the NCAA's job to figure out what the, what the procedures are for these size and stature competitions are okay and it's the it's up to the competitors involved to agree and disagree like are you guys okay with this like I mean I don't know for sure I'm just saying it's not up to me that's all I do know and it's not up to most of you guys because it's just not you're not the athlete you're not a Penn State swimmer you know you're not the woman involved uh and you're not a a trans person who has to deal with all this And not only are you dealing with a lot of personal issues as a trans person, but now you've got the entire country coming for your throat too. I'm sure she's going through a lot mentally right now. And uh, people saying all these negative things about trans women. The trans women, they go through a lot already. And I mean, all minorities do. The last thing we need to do is be making it worse for all these minorities. Uh, One last point I almost forgot to make before I go. Uh, A lot of people like to ask me what I think about things. And especially in the face of an LGBTQ plus issue, people will text me, call me and be like, hey, this is going on. What are your thoughts? Well, what I think is that you guys should stop asking people what they think. I think you you should start asking people, you know, when these things come up and they challenge your perspective or make you wonder and question or you want to get some more insight, I think what we should do is go to that person that we think could give us that insight and then say, hey, you know how this is going on. Well, do you have any relatable experiences to this? What are they? And then hear them out. And then you'll already have a sense of understanding for why they might feel whatever they feel before they even tell you how they feel right? The story's already been set. You already have a background of understanding and knowledge and context. So you can form a better, well-rounded, non-biased opinion. It's not going to be completely non-biased, obviously, but it will still be more rounded. And then after hearing that story, then maybe ask them, okay, so how do you feel about this then? Knowing all that. And then if your, your view is still challenged at that point, that's okay. You can still have a discussion and you can still, you know, you don't have to agree on everything. You just, you don't have to. Okay. But you can at least begin to try to understand why somebody would feel differently than you with their experiences that they've had that you haven't. It just, it will bring more understanding. So I'm going to try to start asking people 
more about their experiences from now on rather than initially asking their opinions. And I hope that helps me find better understanding in the people that I'm asking opinions from uh, so that I can think about the conversation in a critical light for insight rather than to place judgment and, you know, possibly get angry for. So anyway, that's that's it. That's really it this time. Um, thank you for being here. If you are still here at the end of this, uh, very appreciated. And yeah, cool. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.